This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, we learn all about investing with Ethan Lang. Ethan has been investing since age 15. Let's find out what he's learned and how he wants to help people of all ages in the future. One body, stewarding God's creation. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. So now we get to go and talk with Ethan Lang. He is with Faith and Finance. And Ethan is a graduate from Thomas More Prep and Marion High School. He is currently a junior at Fort Hayes State University, majoring in finance. No surprise there. He has an emphasis um, in financial planning. He's also a member of the track and cross-country teams at FA. HSU. In high school, Ethan started a business called Making Sense of Finance to help other teens his age learn more about personal finance and investing. Today, he's helped millions of people, that's a lot, and has a total following of over 250,000 across various social media platforms, including his podcast called Young Wealth. So welcome, Ethan. We are so glad you're here. Wow, that is a mouthful. That is a Thank lot. You. How, can I ask how old you are? Uh, 20. 20 years yep. old, and you have accomplished all of that. That is absolutely amazing. Really, truly. So so tell us just a little bit about, you know, how you began with an interest in finance. How did, I mean, most, uh, what were you, 16 maybe when you started? I was 15. 15? Yep. Most people aren't even thinking. They're thinking about what new pair of tennis shoes they want in, you know, the movies, right? You know, yeah. they're not normally thinking about investing. So how did that all come to be with you? So, yeah, the whole story, um, I was actually at Wendy's with my dad okay. one day, and, and we're sitting there. And he's looking at Bucklestock, which is actually a company that my mom works for. It's a clothing company in Hayes, but it's also national. And it's, um, it's a company that's public on the stock market. And my dad was just talking about it. And okay. to me, that was really the coolest thing. Like, I wanted to invest in a company that my mom worked for. That okay. just seemed awesome. So, yeah. you know, I asked my dad, and he was very smart. He's like, you know what? I'll open an account for you, and you can learn. You can invest in, in the buckle. You can invest in whatever you want. But... He really wanted to give me some of that experience. So, you know, I opened an account um, and learned a ton along the way. Like, I'm really glad that he let me start right away because I made tons of mistakes. But those mistakes were only $5 mistakes because I wasn't really investing much money. So I made tons of mistakes along the way, kind of learned my way throughout. And then how Making Sense of Finance came into play was some of my friends started to get interested and... You know, I wanted to teach them, and I was like, well, why don't I just put this on social media, help other kids my age? Because I was assuming, you know, if I had all these struggles in the beginning learning about finance, you know, probably other kids my age might be having those same struggles, and, right. and that was the case. So. Right. And so so here you are, 15. You're already an investor in the company that your mom works for, right? Yep. And then you think, wow, there's other people that might be interested, and you were right. They're, they, you mm-hmm. know, not, not quite as... as um, uninterested as many of us think yeah. the, the teens might be. So so how responsive were the other teenagers that, that joined your, your group? Yeah, so in the beginning it was slow. It was just like anything. Um, didn't see a lot of growth or anything like that. But, you know, after a while of just putting stuff out and, you know, one of my big things was to keep things simple. And, you know, that's what I always do just because, 
you know, when you're just starting out, finance, you know, investing, all this stuff seems like this really daunting task. You know, there's so many people saying so many different things. There's tons of jargon being used and right. no one really understands what's being said. So especially right. for teens, that was huge. And, you know, people just really took to that and really enjoyed that, being able to learn about finance in a fun way. So what are some of the, the basics that an average person should know about investing? Yeah, so I got my notes here, and I'll kind of go through. I, I, I looked for some important points that I really think were valuable. Because, you know, the thing is, I can't be on here telling people what to buy. You know, that's just not legal for me to do. But, um, <laughs> you know, on top of that, I think, you know, I have the analogy down. You know, if you give a man a fish, he's hungry tomorrow. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed him a lifetime. So. Yeah. You know, I want to have kind of these few points that I can give out that I think are really beneficial for people. Right. So it's more than just this one-time thing because finance, investing, you know, all this stuff is changing and there's so many th- new things coming out that just confuse people. So I really want to, you know, give those basics that people can can look towards. And, sure. and you know, going into that, the first thing was just to keep things simple. You know, it's it's funny because the more people have like this mentality to want to get rich quick or, you know, as we hear it in the Bible, this this almost love of money, it ends up that those people actually take the longest to build wealth because they don't trust in the Lord and they're trying to, you know, scrape by, get by quicker, get there quicker than the average person. And by making it too complex, most of the time that actually doesn't help. Mm-hmm. So, so it's very interesting. You know, and I, I think that, that that is a very interesting point that we should probably mention again when you talk about trust in the Lord, because mm-hmm. that plays such an important role. Do you want to maybe share a little bit about that before you talk about the basics and, and how that really plays a part? Yeah, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, people... People almost don't want to have that trust when it comes to investing because it seems like something that that you're doing. You know, it doesn't seem like something that the Lord is helping and guiding you through. So I think, you know, just having that trust that no matter where you are in the journey, you know, he's always there with you and you have to have that trust going along. Yeah. So then then going into the actually um, along with that point of just keeping things simple, I've got a question for you. So there was a study done by Fidelity of who the best investors were. If you were to take any guess, who do you think that demographic or those type of people would be? You know, I would say the the maybe the young unmarried people, okay. you, you know, yeah, but but you tell me. <laughs> okay. So what they found is their best investors that that returned the most um over longer periods of time were actually the investors who were dead and the families didn't have their account access or just ah. people who lost <laughs> access to their account. Yeah. And it sounds it sounds funny and very interesting. Yeah. But the thing about it is the reason that is is because they kept it simple. Yeah. Because they were dead when the markets got tough and everything got emotional and yeah. everyone's wanting to sell, they couldn't. They yeah. didn't they didn't have access to their account or they were dead. Yeah. So it really goes along to that point of just keeping things simple. And almost even going to the next point of, you know, we talked about trust in the Lord, but being patient over time and realizing that over time is really where that value comes from. You know, it's not just investing for a year or investing for a few years. It's it's investing for a decade and multiple decades and really trusting in that process. Yeah. The long term tends to bring the best returns, I guess, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's so many studies. I don't have the exact numbers in my head. Um on just if you miss the best 10 days over a decade, 
your returns are basically nothing. Like the time that you have in the market is so much more important than what people are trying to do when timing the market. And you know that timing the market goes right back into, you know, that trust in the Lord, having that trust that over time God will provide and you will have that. And and along with that trust in the Lord, you know, it's you always hear the saying, God helps those who help themselves. So this isn't something where, oh, I'm just going to say I'm going to trust in the Lord and I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. You know, it's like you can't pray for a happy marriage and then not go and work on your marriage. Right. You know, it's one of these things where you've got to be patient and have that trust in the Lord um, and know that he's given you the fruits and the gifts and the abilities to be able to start investing and doing those things. Yeah. So let's go back to some of these basics and... and uh, Give us some more information on on the basics of investing. Yeah, so so you know we're looking at it being simple, you know, staying patient. But at this point, you know, a lot of people are are still having that thought of like, what stock should I buy? You know, um, they hear all this news. You know, there's so much information out in the news where you almost have analysis paralysis because you don't know what mm-hmm. to think because there's mm-hmm. all this information coming in. So. Yeah. Whenever someone asks me what stock to buy, I always tell them all of them. Mm. And and that sounds like a very stupid answer, like mm. what? how am I going to buy all of them? But there's a lot of funds out there today that you're able to buy nearly every single stock in the U.S. stock market. Yeah. So instead of being all in on a certain company, you know, there's something that we call in, in finance called business risk. And that's basically... You know, you don't get to sit with the other members of the business and make decisions. You know, you don't have that control. So by only owning one company, you know, you you expose yourself to that big risk. But by owning all of them, you're basically just betting on the U.S. stock market as a whole over the long term. And there's these funds for international stocks. There's these funds for bonds. So it really gives people that diversification to be able to be in multiple things and not going all in on one individual thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you worry about, you know, like where the funds, what they do with that money? You know, mm-hmm. you know, how does faith play into that? You know, do you do you, are you concerned that, you know, maybe they donate to Planned Parenthood or, yeah. or something like that? How does that all work into People think there's a lot of bad things going on um, in the financial world. And certainly there are. We can't say that there isn't. But there's a lot of great things coming out. Recently, there's something called... Um, ESG funds, which are basically like socially responsible investing funds. Mm-hmm. So they'll they'll invest in companies that give good, almost have have a good rap from people. You know, they're they're not going to be um, damaging the environment too much. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of standards that kind of go into giving these companies basically a, a score on how good they are. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's tons of funds out there that that are more like faith driven. I mean. I, you could find Catholic funds out there that um, invest in certain things and leave out certain things that don't fit that persona of what you're wanting to invest in. Mm-hmm. So you also have a podcast going yep. called Young Wealth. So tell us a little bit about how that podcast came to be. You know, we've talked about how in high school you started this group of young investors. Mm-hmm. That's Im- impressive. And it all was, was channeled because of the fact that your dad and you were talking at Wendy's and yep. you became an investor yourself and then took your knowledge and started this group. Now you have a podcast going on. You have 250,000 followers. Amazing. Tell us about this podcast and how people can get to it. Yeah. So so really when I started out, I started on Instagram and a few other social media platforms 
really hoping to to help people with their with their finances. And one of the common issues I had is there's only so much you can explain in a little Instagram picture or a short 30 second video. You know, there's only so much you can say in that short period of time. So I started the Young Wealth podcast um, for a few reasons. You know, the first one was that I could only have like a small Instagram post or a 30 second video. And I wanted something that was a little more longer form, you know, even like what this radio station is where people can talk for an hour and go a lot more in depth on subjects compared to just a little Instagram post. The second reason is I am young and I still have a lot of experience to gain. So I wanted to bring people on who were doing what I admired, you know, people that that had qualities that I admired as um, investors or as people in general to bring them on the podcast and really talk to them, you know, about investing. So, and then, and then the third reason was, you know, I love talking to people. So I had to bring them on. So, so tell me who are some of these people do, are there names we we would recognize? Um, so, so there are a lot of bigger ones, um, that have come on and you might not know some of the names, but um, yeah, most of them I just find through Instagram people that also, you know, have that kind of same mission as I do, you know, yeah. simplifying personal finance for people and investing. And there's also some people I slightly disagree with on subjects. And it's fun that, you know, I'm a yeah. seeker of truth. I like to <laughs> I like to find where the truth is. So I, I love talking to people and, and getting that out there. For those of us out there that are maybe not as familiar with podcasts, because we're Catholic radio junkies, Uh how do we find your podcast? Yeah, so if you go on any kind of streaming um, service, not like Netflix or Hulu or any of those, but um, it's on YouTube. Um, If you listen to music on Spotify, it's on Spotify. If you have an iPhone and you have the podcast app on your phone, it's on there. Basically, anywhere where you could listen to a podcast and you've listened to podcasts before, it's most likely on there. Okay. You know, how do you go out? You, you talked about having quite a few people on the air. How do you go out of picking which ones to do? Do they find you? Do you go out and find them? How does all of that work for your podcast? Yeah, so it's, it's really a mix of both. You know, I, I outreach and look to a lot of guests, but as I've had more episodes that have come out, you know, there's a lot of people that are interested in coming on as well and have information that they would like to share. Yeah, excellent. All right, so you also, you know, when we read your your introduction at the very beginning, we talked about how you were also a cross-country runner and uh, what else? Cross-country. And track. And track yep. um, at FHSU and a lot of discipline required oh, for yes. that. You know, so to me, there seems to be a parallel there with the dis- discipline for that it takes for investing mm-hmm. as well as the discipline for, for track. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the discipline that's required with, with both of those and how you balance. Yeah, I think the first thing is it's just what I love to do. Um, I've been given these gifts by God, so I might as well use them. And it's just one of those things that, you know, there is a lot of things and it's difficult to sometimes manage it all and it has stress. But but yeah, like I said, it's just something I, I really enjoy. And, you know, that discipline, it's funny because the same discipline that was important with investing, you're right, is the same yeah. the same disciplines you need to be a good runner. You know, there's there's patience, there's that trust in the Lord, there's keeping things simple and not trying to over complex things. And yeah. yeah, it's funny how all that really just ties together, not even just in those two areas of life, but in all areas of your life. Tell us, uh, you know, what does your daily schedule look like? So my day changes all the time. So it's never the same, but I mean, 
for example, today, you know, I'm on this radio station. This is the first thing I had in the morning. Uh, then once I'm done here, I'll probably go do some homework until I have classes this morning at 9.30. And then we'll actually work on some stuff for the podcast after that. And I'm actually going to speak at TMP today to the personal finance class, which will be something that is a lot of fun. Um, then, you know, go to track practice. And especially with Advent starting, I've been trying to get to adoration a little more as well. So We need to take a break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about Making Sense of Finance with Ethan Lang. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. One body. Making sense of finance. One body, stewarding God's creation. With Ethan Lang. One body. One body. Ellie Roper conducts the interview. One body. Ethan Lang talking about faith and finance. He is such an impressive young man. Dad, you are an impressive dad out there, too, <laughs> for, for getting this ball rolling and really instilling this wonderful investing um, with him. All right, so we've talked about a whole lot of things with our current guest here, Ethan Lang. Um, please go go and find his podcast called The Young Wealth. Um, would love to. I'm a, I'm gonna. I have an 18 year old. <laughs> I have kids from 38 to 18, and I'm telling you what, I'm gonna make sure that my 18 year old listens to this. Well, and but, I would I would love to maybe talk more. You know, we've talked about yeah, the basics please. of investing, but I would love to kind of talk. You know how faith is tied to finance, yes. you know, and really get more more in depth to that. Yeah. And, you know, with that, I think that it's really the mindset and the purpose behind it all. You know, um, I wrote down on here, money is amoral and not amoral, but one word, amoral, which yeah. means it's neither good or bad. Yeah. You know, it's a tool. Um, and that tool is really, it's how you use that tool and, and what you're trying to build with that tool. The, the question I always, always ask, um, on my podcast is why is wealth building important to you? I talk about tons of different subjects on my podcast, but that's the one question that is specific to every single guest that comes on. Yeah. And the funny thing is every guest that gives an answer, it's never a selfish answer. Yeah. It's always about their kids or about wanting to give back in the future. So it's something that's really interesting that you can think about. It's like, you know, God always says in the Bible, you know, love of money is the issue. It's not money. It's that love of money. And really, really understanding that it's the purpose behind it. Are you just building wealth to build wealth or are you doing it for a bigger reason to be able to glorify God? So yeah. we've been talking, you know, about the money and, and the purpose behind it all and how, you know, it's really a tool. And it's funny because I wrote on here, you know, you just talked about it a little bit, but I put divine mercy example, mm -hmm. which meaning like, you know, if money is just a tool and it's, it's how we build it, you know, look at what divine mercy has done, you know, yeah. and that's come from, you know, the grace and people being able to donate, but it's not that money's a bad thing because, you know, money, whether it's paying for all this setup or or so many other things to keep um, Divine Mercy running and growing, you know, mm -hmm. without money, that wouldn't be possible. You know, in reality, it's without God, it wouldn't be possible because right. God is giving that money, but it's just very, it's something that's very interesting. And, you know, without, without that, you know, 
by people's graces, you know, divine mercy has been able to use money as a tool to do some great things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so so what are your goals for the future? Yeah. So my main thing is once I graduate, I, I would love to stay in Hayes. That's kind of my plan. Mm-hmm. And I plan on starting my own financial planning firm so I can just further that help, you know, to others with their finances. Um, how long away is that? How long do we have to wait? Year and a half. A year and a half. Yep. Okay. I I think there's going to be people lined up ready to do yeah. that. So so what's your real passion? You know, you have the the Young uh, Wealth podcast. So obviously, you like helping other young mm-hmm. people. Do you also help people into retirement? Uh, you know, what's the the gamut? What's your passion? There? Yeah. So you know, it really started with just young people because yeah. that's that's where I could help and I was best suited. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as I start this financial planning firm, it'll be a it'll be a broader business where I can help a lot of people. You know, I still have to go through licensing exams and certification exams so I can do all that stuff. And that's yeah. what I'm working right now by yeah. going through college. But I'm super excited for it in the future. So any recommendations for maybe somebody that's on the other end of that spectrum? I know you're still in college, oh, but, for sure. but any recommendations? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is really just understanding yourself. You know, that's probably the most important thing you can do because. Yeah. You know, the stock market is has been crazy. You know, and over short periods of time, that's typically the case. And over longer periods of time, that's yeah. not the case. So it's easy to, for someone to say when you're young, invest yeah. in the stock market because sure. they've got thirty to forty years. But when you're older and getting to that age, it gets a lot tougher yeah. because you're going to need some of that money. Yeah. And I think there's there's kind of two things. The first thing you have to realize is. Even if the market goes down when you're older, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to pull all of your money out. You know, if you have, you know, you might be using, let's say, a good a good general estimate is to use about four to five percent of your entire portfolio mm-hmm. per year, and and you'll be able to live with it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So even if you know half of your money or a third of your money is in the market and the market goes down. That does that isn't necessarily a bad thing because you won't need that money for another ten years because you have this other side. So it's it's really diversifying into different buckets. You know, you're gonna have your shorter term bucket, which is, you know, you might not get the best return on that, but mm-hmm. you've got to be okay with that because that's money that you might need mm-hmm. in the near future. And then you've got like your midterm bucket, which is a little bit riskier, you know, that type of stuff. And then you've got your last bucket, which is the more higher risk stuff that even if it goes down, you're okay with it because you know you're not going to pull out of that. Mm-hmm. And along with that, it is also knowing yourself. You know, I, I don't want to get too individualized, but, you know, if you're the type of person that is is very risk-averse, you know, you've got to understand that about yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you end up taking too much risk, you're going to end up selling when the market crashes, you yeah. know, because yeah. you're so nervous about it. So, you know, there's that too. It's really just being able to maybe pray about it and understand yourself more mm-hmm. so you can figure out what decisions to make. And it seems like a small amount, but you can tell with how accurate it is. It was just $3 <laughs> more a month yeah. that it was a big sacrifice. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sometimes it's easy to add that extra five, but you could tell for them that it was something that, that yeah. really meant a lot to them. And I think you know we've got, what, 10 minutes left? And we can just go in and probably talk about the importance of giving. You know, I've got tons of Bible verses here. So we'll be able to, you know, and the first one is for where your treasure is, there also will your Mm -hmm. heart be. And, you know, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about of like, why are you building wealth? Is it coming from a place of scarcity and you're wanting to hoard it all because you don't trust in what God can give you? 
Or is it, you know, do you have that bigger purpose of giving back, whether that be your time or money, you know, and donating to things like this? You know, is it for your kids? Is it for something that that fulfills that bigger purpose that God wants, you right. know? Right. And, you know, I have tons of other notes um, in, in regards to giving back, tithing, donating, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, this one's Hebrews 13.5, and it's, Let your life be free from the love of money. But be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never forsaken or abandon you. And, you know, I think really the big thing about that, you know, we talked about how it's it's all about mindset. And, you know, I wrote I wrote a little um, snippet right here and I said, the more you give, the wealthier you are. Yeah. And and that sounds kind of odd hearing it because you're like, the more I give, that's that's less money that I have. So how would I be be wealthier? But, you know, we're talking like mm. how wealth is really that mindset and and by giving money, you're acknowledging to God that you have enough. You're acknowledging God that you have more than enough money, mm-hmm. you know, versus the person who who isn't tithing, you know, no matter how much money they have, you know, there's that mindset of, I don't trust that the Lord will be there for me, so I'm going to hoard this extra little bit, mm-hmm. you know? And then there's that mindset that's mm-hmm. like, you know, that that mindset isn't wealth. You know, wealth is an amount of money it's like a state of mind and how you feel. There's people with not a lot of money that I've talked to in my podcast that seem wealthier than anyone you would know just because they have that that freedom of they have that freedom of mind. Mm-hmm. And you know there's tons of people that have tons of money but they're scared and they're hoarding it that they can't give freely and they don't have that wealth and that feeling cuz they're they're scared of of losing it if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, sure we only have a few more minutes, but I've, I've got tons more to share. You know, I have another snippet that just says, you know, even if it's not a lot of money, if you don't give now, you're, you're going to find difficulty in giving in the future. Yeah. You know, there's never going to be a perfect time to give. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be something that you could buy, a new pair of shoes, whatever it is, a vacation. Like, and while those things aren't necessarily evil, you know, there's nothing wrong with buying a new pair of shoes. There's nothing wrong with going on a vacation every once in a while. But it's understanding that there's never going to be a perfect time to give. And if you don't give now, you're always going to come up with an excuse in yeah. the future for why you can't give, you know. Yeah. And I have another um, I have another Bible verse. It's Ecclesiastes 5.9. And it says, the covetous man is never satisfied with money, and the love the lover of wealth reaps no fruit from it. So this too is vanity. Mm. And one of the things I talked about in this is is really this destination addiction that comes with wealth. And what destination addiction is is this mindset of oh, I will be happy when you know once I have a million dollars, then I'll be happy. Yeah. And the problem is, again, it's that it's that lack of trust in the Lord. Yeah. You're basically telling God like. I'm only going to be happy. You know, there's all these gifts you've given me in my life. Yeah. But I'm going to only be happy when I have X. Yeah. And the issue with that is once you get X, once you get a million dollars, or once you get whatever that thing is, yeah. then you push it off and think of something new. Then you're like, you know, a million dollars is enough. I need two million to really be happy. Yeah. Instead of just really trusting in the Lord and really trusting in the Lord and just being happy at the current moment, you know, I underline the second part of this verse that says, the lover of wealth reaps no fruit from it. Mm-hmm. He's meaning the person that really loves wealth and just, you know, has that, like, I, I just want money to have money. Yeah. They're not going to reap the fruit from it. They're not going to be happy from it. Like I said with the destination addiction, it's something that 
they're always just going to find that next thing and they're never going to reap the fruits of wealth, you know, because they're just focused on wealth, you know? And the last thing I wrote here was, you know, God brought us here to love him and to love people, not to love money. Mm. You know, there's so many more important things. We had this whole hour, we talk a lot about money, but knowing that money is not the most important thing and money's a tool to do something good, for sure. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things like, you know, when you start out prayer and you wanna pray more, you're always like, you know, I need to say a rosary a day. Like you give yourself a tangible goal that you can go for. And that's why I think having a 10% number that the church kind of recommends is like, is great in that sense, but it's also one of those things, it's not like you can't do more. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, the people that are the are the best in prayer aren't the people that are like, I'm going to pray a rosary a day. Mm-hmm. They're the people that make prayer just a part of their life. Yeah. And they don't think about whether it's gross or net, and they just give freely yeah. because they have that wealth in their mind that they know and they trust God that they can give more. Sure. Excellent. Well, gosh, I wish we had a few more hours with you, <laughs> but we don't. So I'll let you conclude in Thanksgiving, um, prayer of Thanksgiving. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, thank you so much um, for this hour, and thank you for giving us the fruits and the gifts and the abilities to be able to have a conversation that I really think was needed. Please help all those that listen to the ep- episode, and whether it was the entire hour or whether it was just five minutes, and really help them to to gratefully consider donating and also to just look into their own lives and have a lot of prudence and, and understand themselves and bring them closer to you. Amen. Thanks to all of you who support this radio network. To learn more about Divine Mercy Radio's evangelization mission, visit dvmercy.com and also download the free phone app. If you are a business or service that would like to underwrite the phone app and or this one body show, please call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsborg Salina, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, pardon not your hearts.